Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, the European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And what a great episode we have today. We are going to focus on a very important chapter in a very important publication by the European Liberal Forum and Project Polska that is called Lonely Europeans. The problem of loneliness is recognized by European liberals who seek solutions in the spirit of European cooperation, respect for freedom, paying special attention to young people, and believe that technology is not only part of the problem, but also a key to its solution in modern Europe. Actions taken against the loneliness epidemic must be comprehensive. It's not only investment in psychological and psychiatric assistance, which seems most natural here. It's not only increased care for the oldest or the most economically excluded citizens. It is also measures such as better planning for urban development, building a more inclusive educational system, or designing digital capitalism more wisely. A Ministry of Solitude may not be the most optimal solution, but cross-sectional coordination of all public authorities, it's necessary to effectively tackle a challenge that will only intensify in years to come. And today we are going to focus on this publication, on the contribution of Ms. Felicita Medved, with the title All Costs of Loneliness where she goes into acceptive descriptions to serve as starting points, the costs of loneliness, geographical differences in Europe regarding loneliness, and liberal solutions for this serious problem. Mrs. Medved is a human geographer with research interests in political geography, migration and citizenship, and in policies and politics of the European Union. She's also served a member and president of the board of the directors of our European Liberal Forum, and this was from 2010 to 2016. Currently, she's the president of the Novem Institute. And then we also have my good friend Milos Udun from Warsaw. Apart from being the editor of this publication and many others, he is the president of Project Polska Foundation and a member of the board of directors of the European Liberal Forum. So now, with no further ado, I bring you Mrs. Medved and Milos Udun. I'm here with Felicita Medved. And Miłosz Odun, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you so much, Ricardo. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here and to talk in such an important topic as it is loneliness. On the introduction of the podcast, I already presented the book and you and also Miłosz as the editor. Because Miłosz, our listeners, they know him very well by now. But you, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit what was the path that you took in life so that we get to this point that we're talking about the podcast here in Lisbon. Well, I, perhaps the most important uh, was that for several years I was a member of the board of the European Liberal Forum, also the president. And so I became involved in many issues that are of interest and concern of liberals. And it has been identified recently that also loneliness is one of those topics. Otherwise, I'm a human geographer and also a lecturer, uh, recently mainly on European Union, its institutions and the European law. Wonderful, so we're in very good company. All right, let's dive into uh, the topic right away. And let's start with some definitions, uh, because a set of descriptions are introduced in the first part of the chapter, like loneliness, 
social isolation, solitude. So please, Felicita, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little more about the differences between these terms. Well, thank you. This is a very important question because often these terms are mixed or not distinct enough. Uh, loneliness is, um, can usually be defined as a subjective experience, a very distressing experience, uh, when uh, we perceive not to have so many social relationships as we would like to have, and that is both in quantity and quality. Solitude, on the other hand, is a condition or a situation in which we are alone because we want to be alone. So it can be also a positive experience that we perhaps reflect, think, let's say do some writing in solitude, or as Hannah Arendt said once, that we talk with ourselves, with our consciousness. So it can be a positive experience. Now, Also, it is very important the distinction with social isolation because as we know, we can be in company but feel lonely. We can be alone but not feeling lonely. But social isolation indicates a very objective situation with no or very little meaningful contacts with others. And in general, we perceive it as a negative phenomenon. And specifically during the COVID-19 pandemic, when certain measures were imposed, either softer or harder, for example, the lockdowns, it was very, uh, most, well, a lot of people felt isolated. Yeah? So physically, but also socially. And have felt that as a negative experience. So isolation is something objective. Uh, you can be isolated because you are in prison, but also you can be isolated because you live in a country and belong to a certain group that is isolated and have no rights. So being in isolation can mean also that you feel lonely, and we're also talking about loneliness, but not necessarily. I mean, you can be in prison and actually not feel lonely. Uh, what is more, in Japan, in this era of loneliness, we have people who commit little crimes to go to prison, not to feel lonely. Uh, and this, this is, this is a, a phenomenon. But when we are talking about loneliness, we are talking about this feeling of loneliness, about this uh, subjective feeling of loneliness that is long-term and chronic. So it's not just you know one moment when I feel lonely, one moment when I want to be with myself, or when I just sometimes feel lonely because yeah because I'm just bored and have nothing to do. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this chronic, long-term, subjective feeling of loneliness that is causing many troubles. Now let's go to another concept, and this is a term that I'm going to introduce because in the book it does not appear, which is political loneliness. Because this is presented in the chapter as a disconnection from the fellow citizen, from politics, from the state. And this is mostly, not only, but mostly a political podcast. So let's get into that because this is important for our listeners. What did you mean by that? And I'll start again with you, Felicita. 
Well, thank you for this excellent uh, question. Uh, but it is true that among many typologies of loneliness, uh, there is only a type of loneliness that some call collective loneliness, or it can be also called political loneliness. So when we miss uh, being a part of a community with which we share certain values um, or certain common sense of purpose, or on the other hand, loneliness can generate dissatisfaction uh, when we feel rejected by society or ignored by certain political uh, forces. So loneliness might lead to a condition that we feel left alone, with no one around us, abandoned, so to speak. In political sense, it is also often a sense of loss, of worthlessness in, in the world that we ought to belong to. Miloš, you that you do cross several communities, from political to social, the LGBTQ community, for example, this for you then has a particular impact, I imagine. Absolutely. This is also the reason why we have uh, one chapter in the publication about different groups that are being isolated or excluded, and one chapter in particular which is about the loneliness of LGBTQI, especially the youth. So, uh, yeah, because there, there are groups that feel politically excluded just you know, because they exist in, a, in a certain circumstances. And, yeah, we can take my country, Poland, we can take Hungary. You have big groups. There's minorities, but there are big uh, mi minorities who feel that they are excluded. So we are talking about this, as you said, political loneliness. But also there is what they say, what, what some authors say and call institutional loneliness. You just feel that the state and its institutions are not your institutions. You feel no collection, connection. You feel isolation. You, you, don't want, you don't want to have anything to do with them. And what are the consequences of it? And we can see it now in Poland, six months before the elections. Uh, the third party in the polls right now is the far right. And I'm not talking about peace, about the government. I'm talking about the far, far right. And one of the reasons why some voters are, vote, are saying they're voting for this party is they're saying we are lonely. Nobody is representing us. We don't feel it's our society. We don't feel it's our state. And these guys, this party, they are, they are, they are the, the ones who are representing us. They are giving us some sense of belonging. Maybe they are politically incorrect. Maybe they are crossing some boundaries. Maybe they are uh, isolating others in their manifestos. But we want them because they want us. So political, politically speaking, loneliness can be a very dangerous thing because it can be a tool of radicalization of, of the voters. If I may, they have been also at the EU level, certain studies on civic and political behavior of lonely people. And uh, it, they indicated that specifically social trust uh, has diminished. And uh, as Milos was talking about, the radicalization of this population, that they tend to have a lower voter turnout. And many of them will be more inclined to vote for uh, radical and non-democratic 
parties. So in the long term, loneliness can lead to a more divisive uh, and even aggressive society. It's a perverse form of tribalism. So we already have to deal with the tribalism of people identifying with each other. And now we have to deal with tribalism, which is, oh, you don't identify with no one? Here's your tribe. It's a tribe that offers you that connection, that belonging. And we were going to go back to that because on the later part of the chapter, we do talk about uh, solutions and some of the solutions aim exactly to fight that. But I would like to stay a little more in some of the uh, findings you present in your study, and of course, Milos, as an editor, I'm sure you were very interested also, and that is with the Northern Europeans feeling less lonely than Southerners, Westerners, and even their Eastern counterparts. But however, it makes sense in the light of the theories like normative climate and social individualism. Uh, me, as a Mediterranean, Milos, as an Eastern European, Felicita, Bring us together here to understand then these two concepts, please. Yes, you're right. The studies I have uh, read indicate that uh, in northern parts of Europe, like Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and Germany, where is the high level of single-person households, so 40% on average, there was in 2016, so before the pandemic period, lower level of loneliness than in the other parts of Europe. And now many authors try to, or some authors, try to explain this according to the so-called normative climate. So the cultural norms that are characteristics of these societies. Now, in Northern Europe, there are more individualistic societies where self-sufficiency, but also individual competitiveness, it's uh, valued perhaps higher than in the other regions of, of Europe. Uh, so they, are, they have another expectations of what is an optimal uh, level of social and intimate relations than in other parts of Europe, which are more collectivistic societies, family-based, uh, community-based, and where perception of loneliness is different in this sense. So one can feel lonely, so to speak, sooner than when living in the in the northern Europe. What is interesting that during pandemic, the levels of loneliness have equalized, which means that measures which were taken at that period hit single-person households and people who are single more. They were more painful for them than to, for people living in, in a community with other people. I would only ask to that the issue of trust, of social trust, that is very high in, in the Nordics of Europe, right? This is the, the highest level of social trust in the world, while in Central Eastern Europe we have some of the lowest levels of social trust in Europe. And, and you can see often the, the correlation between these, between feeling lonely and trusting other people 
your closest people, but also not maybe uh, your your community, but also the state and its institutions. So if people don't trust one another, if people don't trust the institutions, they feel more more and more, more lonely. In Sweden, there was a radical. There is, Sweden is an example of a radical solution of using the state as something uh, that should counteract loneliness. And for many years, it looked like this is really the, the solution. And having state answering all these problems, it, it is a, a great solution. But right now, Swedish people see that this is not enough, that state is not it cannot be the only solution. And they are also facing the problem and asking themselves many, many questions. And we will see where it will go. Because as Felicita said, the numbers are rising also in, in, in Sweden. On the normative climate, it's very interesting because in the chapter it it is introduced the importance of family, and for us, for example, Mediterraneans, a family it's this nucleus that if you are away from your family, you start thinking that oh my God, I'm so lonely, I'm so much loneliness. Just a personal story, very quickly when I went to the United States to take my PhD, and that meant spending four years away from my family. The most asked questions was aren't you going to feel lonely? I'm like, no. <laughs> Let's continue. Uh, this now gets me to a point where I'm going to ask you to, both of you, please, to speculate a little bit. And that is, it looks like there's an association between people living alone and economic growth. And uh, we can get into the data. While an increasing loneliness, this leads to a damaging economic effect. So one can say that entrepreneurship it's a cure for loneliness? I, I would like to answer this question from, from a different angle. Uh, entrepreneurship is trying to answer many of the problems that loneliness is causing. Uh, the question is, you know, are they really the answers that we are looking for? Because yeah, we are talking about all these new companies, all these new startups that are uh, saying telling us, suggesting us, you can rent a friend now. You can pay, you know, $20 an hour and go with somebody shopping or for lunch. You can pay 40 and uh, you can hug a person. So there is all this new way of the capitalism of loneliness. All the robots, all the machines, all the bots. So there is all this entrepreneurship where capitalism entered because there is an issue and it's trying to solve the problem. But, you know, in my opinion, this is not solving the problem. Machines may help in some situations, but they will not solve the problem. Problems are meaningful relations with other people. And we need to learn how to start them, how to, how to maintain them, and also how to end them. And this is especially important uh, if we are talking about young people, because these are you know, the people who are, who, are, who are learning, who are just starting, teenagers, and uh, they are also surrounded by social media, where you have this no-loneliness uh, culture, right? I mean, if you go to Instagram or any other social media, you have the message is clear. You cannot be lonely. If you are lonely, you are a loser, right? This is, this is the message you get. So we need to focus much more on education of young people to, to, to help them to have these good, good relations. And, you know, living alone, going back to your original question, living alone is nothing bad. If you feel okay with living alone, this is perfectly fine. In Sweden, again, you have more and more married people, married couples who live separately. And if they are happy, you know, they are happy. It's, it's still, uh, it still shows that still, still Sweden, even though the numbers are growing, is, is one of the leaders and people feel uh, less lonely. Well, I agree with you concerning the toys and machines and the 
entrepreneurship that has entered the field of loneliness. We humans are social animals. We need a human contact. And I don't think that uh, this kind of entrepreneurship could be a sufficient substitute for a human touch or a human talk with another human. Maybe I didn't ask my question correctly. When I mean here by entrepreneurship, it's me f- using my solitude. And, and we just mentioned Anna Arendt that said, well, solitude can help you think, can help you organize your mind. So I can also use that as an engine to be productive, to write, to think, to open a business. Yes, uh, correctly, when we are talking about solitude so uh, or, or single-person uh, households, there has been some research which actually indicates that there is uh, a higher level of entrepreneurship and that regions with, let's say, higher levels of uh, single-person households have uh, an economic uh, prosperity uh, in contrast with those areas or regions that have high levels of loneliness, where in long term there can be economic implications. Why? Because it affects health, it affects uh, absenteeism from work, it affects lower productivity, higher fluctuation of workforce, and this has economic consequences. So for the economy, but also for specific employers. There have been some calculations, for example, just in the UK. Now, I'm not exactly, I don't know the exact figure, but I think it's about 2,5 billion pounds per year. Uh, mainly on lower productivity, absenteeism from work, and higher fluctuation of workforce. So, Miros, my final question on this one in particular is, but is loneliness an obstacle for entrepreneurship, or can we give people the tool to say, hey, we know that you're lonely, you're not in solitude, you're actually feeling lonely, that long-term persistent feeling on loneliness. Here are some tools for you to get out of that uh, state of mind. Or is this not yet structured in a way that it's that easily accessible? I mean, loneliness, we sh- I think we should look at, no- at loneliness like, uh, like a-, a disease, as a condition. It is not officially a disease. It's not, not officially a medical condition according to WHO, but is connected to so many other conditions, both uh, psychological and somatic, that you know, I don't see that loneliness can be, any, can be, any, uh, can be of any benefit, uh, economically speaking. This is an obstacle. Like we, we should do everything to, to fight loneliness because the, yeah, the, the lower the le- levels of loneliness, the better the public health care and the, the, the better economic performance. So, and of course, it's not easy to fight loneliness. We have some tools, but this is not easy. But I, you know, I do not see it as any opportunity. Loneliness is not opportunity. Solitude can be opportunity for creativity, you know, for just taking a step back, reflecting about your life, about your job, about the f- future projects. But loneliness is a problem that we should fight, and it's really a complex fight.
As we're getting to the end of our time, in the chapter, there are solutions presented and a set of ideas and liberal values. And this has the aim to fight loneliness and also as the added benefit of diverting voters from those radical and undemocratic political options. So, Felicita, tell us some of those solutions. Perhaps most important particular moment is to raise awareness about loneliness, that there are high levels of loneliness, that there are different types of loneliness, what are the issues surrounding them, specifically the health effects, how it affects an individual who is lonely, but also his family, his friends, and society. And as long as it is only treated as a private issue, like, let's say, a matter for a psychologist if it concerns our mental well-being, well, we can decide on that. But if it is identified as a societal problem, then I think it should also be addressed. And if it is not addressed, then there can be severe consequences, as we mentioned already a few. So it's very important, I think, especially also for liberals, to raise awareness about loneliness, to destigmatize loneliness, which is all stigma, it's still present in some of the societies, to point out the key issues and try then to formulate strategies and policies which are cross-sectional, cross-sectional, but they enhance also health services and social services. Because loneliness, it's not only about the lonely, it's also about our social capital as societies. It is about how we relate to each other, how we communicate with, uh, with each other, um, how we function in social environment. And as we said already before, there can be severe long-term consequences also on, in the political field. So these steps perhaps should be taken now. And there are many initiatives already in Europe, but also on the global level that deal with these issues. This is a fantastic conversation, and I'm going to ask you if you would be so kind to please come back to the podcast so that we can continue this really important. And Milos, congratulations for uh, the work you did editing. The publication is fantastic. Felicita, congratulations for your chapter. It was amazing. Please tell our listeners where they can follow some more of your work. I think they can find me on the Internet. I'm not really a social media person, but I do have a Facebook account. It is my experience, though, through the life that people who wish to contact me, they find me. Thank you so much, Ricardo. And uh, from my perspective, it's important that you download the publication. It's available on the European Liberal Forum websites for free. And yeah, thank you so much for the conversation. I would also like to thank Milos for this wonderful book and to you, of course, for the podcast. Well, and I'm going to thank both of you. And again, like I mentioned, I would ask you to come back to the podcast. I'm going to put all uh, the links on the show notes. I've been talking with Miwa Shudun and Felicita Medved. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. Just 
remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of June. From the 16th to the 18th of June in Ayanapas, Cyprus, we have a Liberal Hack 2023. This is an organization for the Forum for Reforms, Entrepreneurship and Sustainability, FORUS, and also our friends from LIMEC. The Liberal Act 2023 aims to challenge our young liberals to explore how to take an active part in shaping Europe's future in the field of environment, energy and climate change. A hackathon with four teams of four young liberals from all over Europe will discuss proposals for making Europe energetically independent and the first climate-neutral continent. To know more about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament, and have the support of the social liberal movement Think Tank in Portugal and Liberty Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone, and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.